Well, I don't know about you, but I am stoked. Um, man, I don't know why. That was, some, that was some powerful worship church. Thank you for... Thanks for being here this morning. Howdy. All right. We got a full house, man. Look around. God's on the move. Amen? What is wrong with you people today? I'm going to have to be self-deprecating to pull you in, aren't I? It's going to be one of those mornings. I can see it. I can see it coming. I want you to close both of your eyes. Keep looking this way, but close both of your eyes. What do you see? Nothing, right? Black. And I want you to just open one. Welcome to my world. Good to have you with me. It's a little different, right? Look around with one eye. Just kind of just really, like, if you need to cover it, you can do that. It's kind of hard to keep one eye shut unless you've got a fake one. But, but look around with one eye. It looks different, right? It's not the full picture. You're just kind of getting some of it. But you're not getting all of it, right? You're, you feel it, but it, you don't really feel it. It's just kind of... Now, open both of your eyes. Now you're like, wow, you're ugly, dude. I'm still not working. All right, so uh, <laughs> you see clearly, right? As much as you see clearly, you see clearly. As much as you can see is what you see. And I, and I don't know, you know, most of you are aware, but I, I, I have one eye and it doesn't work very well. And so unless I have my glasses on, I really can't see... Past, much past Maria, and, and, and you're just kind of a blur. And so I, I was thinking this week, as, we, as we're going to unpack heaven today, I'm really excited about this. I love, man, heaven is such a, an amazing thing, and, and, I, and I've got two books that are like this thick, and I'm reading them through them, and I'm thinking, how do we reduce heaven into 35 minutes? And the answer is we don't. We're going to be here for an hour, so buckle up. If you need to go get some coffee, go... I'm kidding. You're like, yeah, you're not kidding. I've been here before when you preached, and you do preach for an hour. That's not a joke. You're serious. But, you know, it's interesting that the, the, the way that our senses function and sometimes how we can mess with our own senses, right? We close our eyes. Things look different. We open one. Things look a little different. We open them, and we think we see fully, but we really don't. We really still don't see fully the world around us. And so one day, and this I'm so excited, one day I'm going to see. One day he's going to fix these things, and I'm going to view you and all of your beauty and ugly. I mean, I'm just going to see it all. But the wonderful thing is, those of us who are ugly, when we get to heaven, guess what, man? We're going to be good looking. It's going to be like we're all Matthew McConaughey. It's going to be amazing, right? All right, all right, all right. That's right. It's going to be amazing someday when we get to eternity and get to see with full vision, with full senses, with full understanding God's kingdom, God's purposes, God's plan what God has in place for us. And so what I want to ask you today, and this is, I guess, if, if you're going to remember anything, remember this, so we can, have our, we can have our Brianism today, but what happens when I take my last breath? When will I take my last breath? I, I can tell you I turned 50 this year, and I, and I know I don't look at, thank you, you don't have to say it, but um, I turned 50 this year, and I really started thinking about, like, man, what's next? right? Like what's next in my life? I, I don't, it's not old, but it feels, it feels like a threshold. Like 30 didn't bother me. 40 didn't bother me. 50 is still kind of irritating me. So I'm just thinking through like, what does the next, you know, 50 years look like? Let's assume we're going to live to be a hundred, right? What's the next 50 years of our look, our lives look like, or the next 40 or the next 30 or the next 20 or whatever. Um, and what we do with our lives has everything to do with how we view eternity and how we view heaven and what we think about what's to come as well as what's here now and the way we live our lives now. What we believe about eternity determines everything about how we live today. If we believe that this is it, that there's nothing after this, that then, then we party, man, like, there's, like it's 1999, right? I mean, we, we just go crazy and we live our lives however we want to live them and we do whatever we want to do and to heck with everything else because, man, there's nothing else. So we might as well live it up here because it doesn't get any better than this. But if we view an eternity where there's a very real heaven and there's a very real hell, then it changes our perspective of how we live our lives. Let me, let me read you a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, and this is the beauty of heaven, right? No eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And then jumping on to John 14 says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking, my father's house has many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? So like there's rooms. And if there wasn't, like I wouldn't have told you there was. I'm not like, I'm not a liar, right? I'm telling you the truth. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be 
where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And this is interesting because this is Thomas who was called Doubting Thomas, right? He was one of the guys who walked with Jesus in his ministry. He lived with Jesus. Like they ate together. They preached together. They did all this stuff together. And Jesus has taught all of this stuff, right? And Thomas is still going, yeah, how do we get there, bro? Like, how do we get to heaven? I don't get it. And Jesus says, you already know I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Listen, no one comes to the Father. No one comes to God the Father but through me. Jesus says, there is no other way. There's no other option. There's no plan B. Jesus is it. There is only one way to the Father. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to an eternity with Jesus, and that's through him. And so Thomas already knew the answer to that. Revelation 21, 1 through 5 and 7 says this, and Brian's going to unpack this more next week, but he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. When we, when we get there, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, listen, I love this line. Say it with me. I am making everything new. Doesn't that sound wonderful? I mean, doesn't that sound amazing? He's going to make everything new. All things have become new, right? All the stuff is gone. Everything becomes new. We get new eyes. We get new backs. We get all the good stuff. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Let's pray. Father, man, as we unpack this this morning, I pray that you will hasten our hearts. God, bring us to life this morning with the truth that this isn't it. Thank you, Jesus, (laughs) that this isn't it, that there's something else, that there's more to come, that, God, you've got amazing things in store for us. And help us, as we kind of dig through this this morning, to look at at your plan for us for eternity. And we love you, God, and we just say it all together. And everybody said it. Amen. All right. So last week, Brian took us to hell. Um, literally, if you didn't hear it, you can go back and listen to the message. He talked about hell, and I think really unpacked it well. I think if, if you kind of want to catch the context of where we're heading today, you need to probably go jump back, back on our website or on the podcast and listen to last week's message. He really talked about what is hell, and, and where is it, and, and, and what is the point, and do we all, like, is that our default? Is heaven our default? He unpacked that last week, so I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that um, as, he, as, he, as he shared that last week. But I just want to talk about heaven today, just some stuff about heaven. Just kind of a conversation, and I'm not going to do it justice because I don't think we can. Why? Because Corinthians says there's no eye is seen, no ear is heard. Like, we don't really know a lot. But what we do know is some of the things that, that I want to share with you this morning. And, and a couple of these are misconceptions about heaven. Have you ever heard anybody say heaven's going to be boring? Anybody ever heard somebody say that? That's going to be boring. Be honest with me. Has anybody ever thought that? Be honest. I've thought it, right? Really, I'm just going to stand and sing forever. Like, I don't really like singing now, and you think I'm going to, like, stand around and sing there, right? It's not my gig. Like, I just thank, thanks for the worship team for all you do, but can we just get to the preaching? Like, that's some of you, and that's okay, and that's legitimate. You know, there's a special place in heaven for you. Um, so that, that's an okay thing. We, we're okay with that. But, you know, mu- music is the soundtrack of our lives, right? When you think about different points in your life, I bet you can go back and think of a song, right? I think when you graduated high school, you can go back and think of, a, of the songs that were popular. I, I know the songs that pop into my head most often are the songs that happened, like, when I was just getting out of high school, right, and was kind of getting into life. Those years, right, the, the, the late 90s and early 2000s when I graduated from high school were, were that. It took me longer than most, but... Um, it was, we were right there, right? And so you think of songs that go along with your life. So when you think about singing for, for all eternity, and I don't think that's what we're going to do for all eternity, just to ease your mind, um, I don't think heaven's going to be boring at all. But if that's all it was, we're experiencing like what we experienced this morning, but on steroids, and standing around with Moses and Elijah and Isaac and Jacob and Noah and Adam, and we can all smack Eve when we get there. I'm sorry about your labor pains. Like, all of those people are going to be there, right? I mean, we're going we're gonna to share together with all of those saints who have gone before. Not only that, but the people who we know who in our lives who've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior will be there too. And we'll celebrate together, and we'll, we'll worship the risen King. And I promise you, for those of you who are scared to death to raise your hands or get on your knees before the throne here together, I promise you'll be doing that, because we'll be in such awe of our Lord and Savior that we won't be able to help but to fall on our faces and worship Him forever 
and ever. What an amazing thing. But there's this lie, right, that heaven will be boring. And, uh, and I think that's because the devil's a liar. You agree with that? The devil's a liar. Can we, we can all agree, right? Satan is a liar. Um, and, and he is the father of lies. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but before he was the father of lies, he was an angel. In fact, he was one of the three archangels that God had created to be with him and, and, and be kind of over all of heaven together. It was Michael, right? And Gabriel, you've heard of Gabriel and you've heard of Michael, the archangel. And it was Lucifer. And it's hard for us to imagine our enemy being an angel, being in heaven. And a lot of, a lot of um, scholars believe that he was in charge of the worship in heaven, which is why you got to watch out for worship pastors. That's why I changed my title because it just, you know, I, I'm just scared of that. But, but really, you know, as much as, we, as much as we may say that, I mean, music is also what? It's divisive, right? I mean, it's, music is incredibly divisive, um, whether it's secular music and its lyrics and the explicit stuff, or it's the, you know, the Barney song that we all want to shoot the creator for, um, or, you know, all of the, the or, or we sit in a service. And let me just, let me bring it to here, right? We all have favorite worship songs that we hear on the radio. We all have favorite styles that we hear on the radio. We all have different, it's very subjective. I remember when the, when the girls were going through high school and they were in cheer, and it was really fun to watch them cheer, but I really hated the subjectivity of cheer competitions because there was no objective way to, to measure, to give them scores. It was purely, oh yeah, I think that was a good flip. Well, the guy over here is like, yeah, but her feet were apart a little bit, so I'm going to deduct some points, right? It was all subjective, and music is very much like that. And so it makes total sense in our world that music is divisive in light of the fact that Satan Lucifer was all about worship and music in heaven, and worship is way more than music, so let's just expand that. But, but just to think about me, we all like, we all like different volumes, right? Some of us get in our cars and we crank up the radio as loud as it'll go with our Bose sound systems and we're cruising down the street. Others of us are like, yeah, I'm just listening to sports radio today and all day, every day, because I really don't like music. So it's very subjective when it comes to what we think about music. And so it's really divisive. And that lie that heaven's going to be boring absolutely comes from the father of lies, because Satan is a liar. In fact, Isaiah called, told, said this of Lucifer five different times. He said he wanted to be like God. Lucifer's goal was to be like God. And so God cast Satan, Lucifer, out of heaven with a third of the angels. And most, most theologians and, and scholars would say those are the demons that walk with and participate with Satan to steal, kill, and destroy. Those are the demonic forces of today, that he lies, that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. You you need to understand what Satan is out to do. He does not want you to spend eternity with Jesus. He doesn't want you to have victory in this life. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. He wants to steal your joy and your peace and your comfort and your family. And if you think for a moment in our society that Satan's not out to destroy your children, wake up. Because he's absolutely going after our children right in front of our eyes as we watch him untangle his plan of destruction for us and the world around us. He is a liar. And that lie from Satan is that heaven is boring. I don't know about you, but I used to, I used to think that, like, you know, we're going to get to heaven and I'm going to get, like, this robe, right? I don't want to wear a robe. I don't like robes. They're weird. Give me a pair of shorts and a hoodie. I'll be good. But we're going to wear this robe, right? And we're going to play our harps, and we're all going to sit on clouds together. And I mean, that sounds boring. Not only that, but it sounds kind of hideous because some of you can't play instruments. And so I don't really want to hear you playing your harp or really, you know, singing. So like that just sounds horrible. That doesn't sound like fun. It doesn't sound like something I want to participate in. It doesn't sound like anywhere I want to be. There may also be some relatives there that I don't really want to see. I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, heaven's not boring. We think it's boring maybe because we think God is boring. Maybe some of us think that, well, God's not really all that exciting, so maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe heaven's kind of that way too. Like, I don't know, maybe heaven is not all that exciting. Maybe, maybe our view of God really affects our view of heaven. Do we see an, 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 a God as an amazing, creative, present, peaceful, life-giving God and Savior who loves us, who, who took on our sin? Or do we see God as a cosmic killjoy with rules for how I'm supposed to live my life that take all the fun out of it, right? But the truth is, the fun gets added back in when we, when we follow and we're obedient to what his commands are and the, and the blessings on the other side of them, right? So 
Maybe we need to change our view of God to change our view of heaven. Maybe we see God as someone or something that's just for Sundays or maybe just for a life group if you go to one. Maybe he's not really present in our homes and so we don't really and haven't really experienced the, the joy and the peace that comes from a home that's grounded in Christ, in the gospel, in his word, in his ways instead of, instead of ours. And maybe that's how we view our eternal home because maybe the home we grew up in wasn't the most peaceful home. Maybe the home you have now, it leaves some things to be desired. Maybe it doesn't really affect my life or how I live it. Maybe where I spend my time or my worldview or how I treat others, God doesn't really impact that, so he doesn't really impact how I view my eternity. But what this really comes to is what we've allowed God to do in our own lives, right? What we've allowed him to pursue in our own hearts. Do you live in a way that displays the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he's given us and that live inside of us. Our, our freedom in Christ is an excuse to in, indulge in fleshism, right? It's, it's a call to be different. It's a call to be better. I've, I've got God's grace, so it's all good. I can, I can sin all I want, right? I, we all know people like that, right? Um, I, can, I can sin all I want because I'm going to buzz up to the church on Saturday night, confess it all, and start over, and it's all going to be okay, but that's not the intention of grace, the intention of grace is that we have life, and we have this amazing life, and we have this incredible thing that God gave us that we get to live in, and it's a picture, it's a foreshadowing. For those of you who love to read, right? I remember reading books and going, foreshadowing, what's that? I don't think I got it until I was 25. Anyway, foreshadowing, right? It's, it's a look towards the future. So as we look at our lives and how we live them now, it can be a picture of the eternity and the joy and the love that we'll have in eternity, even through <clears throat> the, the tough times and the struggles. And so what we have to ask ourselves is, how am I living my life now in light of eternity? Am I, am I filled with hate? Am I frustrated? Do I have angst, right? Is this, think the worst of others? Am I always negative? You know, is, 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 am I living defeated instead of as an overcomer that God's allowed me to be? Is this, or am I living like this isn't my home? Or am I living with love, the fruits of the Spirit, right? These are how we know if we're walking with Him, and this is the picture of eternity to come, that we walk in love, right? That our love for others is the first thing that comes out of our mouths instead of the hate and the, and the distrust and the questioning, right? It's, it's joy. It's not happiness. Happiness is something else. Happiness, right? And always my, my pastor growing up always said, happiness is based on happenings and joy is based on Jesus, right? So what happens can kill my happiness, but because I have Jesus, I can still have joy even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of, of whatever may be happening around me, because I know that God's got this, that Jesus is in control and I don't have to be. That's an amazing thing. When we can finally get to a place in our lives where we can come to the foot of the cross and lay everything down and go, I'm going to find joy in you and I'm leaving this stuff here at your feet because you're God and I'm not. And you can handle it, and clearly, <laughs> I can't, nor, nor do I want to, right? Patience. How many of us have patience? By the way, don't ever pray for patience. We have one guy with patience. Come on up. <laughs> Come on up. I need lessons. Oh, yeah, Andrew has patience. Yeah, you've got, yeah, you're gifted with patience there, brother. Can we just turn around and lay hands on Andrew, right? I said Satan's a liar, but Andrew, don't be, right? I mean, come on now. Um, Andrew's the least patient person I've ever met in my life. He's actually less patient than I am, which is why we probably get along great. And we're best buds. But are we patient, right? Do we, are we able to step back and go, ah, okay, I can, I can have patience in this situation. I can wait for God to do his thing because I can be patient. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a gift. It's a, it's a fruit. It's given to everybody. Kindness, goodness, gentleness. Here's the big one. Ready? The SC word, Santa Claus. Self-control. Self-control. How many of us have self-control, right, all the time? It's a fruit of the Spirit, and that's heaven. It's the absence of everything evil and the presence of God. It's all the great things. It's all the gifts from heaven playing out. It's, it's amazing dinners with taste buds like things we've never tasted before. It's the amazing scenery of God that, that with the eyes that God gave us, it'll be opened to see. It's enjoying everything that we enjoy now, but, but with no sin, with no sorrow, with no death, with no evil. That sounds pretty good to me. 
I think that ought to sound pretty good to us. It's the presence of God. One of the other big questions is, who will be there? Will I be known? Are we going to know each other when we get to heaven, right? One of the scariest things I think are unsettling things is to think about the, un, the unsurety of eternity, right? Are we still going to be us? Are we going to know our spouse? Like, are kids going to know us? Like, who, who are we going to know and who are we not going to know? Um, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. All right, so I think this verse really unpacks that nicely, that we will be fully known and we will fully know. We will be ourselves. God created us, all right? He, he says that he created us in the womb. He wove us together, right? Any sewers in here? Uh, Maggie started sewing. She crochets. She tried to show me how to do it the other night, and I think it's beyond me. Um, I realize it's not hard, but I'm watching her like do this thing. And she either didn't slow down enough so I could figure it out, or it's just that complicated. I don't know. Um, but she sews. And it's amazing to watch her sew this. I think it's going to be about 30 feet long by the time she's done with it. She decided to sew this blanket that's um, a temperature blanket. So each line is a temperature from last year on a day. So 365 lines of yard, I'm pretty sure I can throw at Andrew and he, I'm like, what are you going to do with that when you're done with it? Like, you're not going to be able to cover with it, right? Um, but so she's sewn this thing, right? And to watch her kind of sew that thing together. God says he wove us together in the womb. He made us to be who we are. He gave us fingerprints, right? Not one fingerprint is the same. Have you ever thought about the billions and billions and billions and billions of people who have lived on this earth and there has never been a fingerprint that is the same? I mean, that just like blows my mind. That's unbelievable. Even that all of us can sit in a room together and our fingerprints are all totally different. They're unique to us, right? Our genetic code is all different. Have you ever met your doppelganger? Anybody ever sent you a picture of the person out there that looks like you? I love that word, doppelganger. It's just a fun word. Like that person out there that's, that's like, that's your twin, right? But guess what? They're not because they still have different fingerprints. I have a set of identical twins. Their DNA is identical to one another, all right? So in identical twins, that DNA is the same, but they have different fingerprints. They have differences in their personalities. God still made them unique. Yeah, Corey's like, thank you, Jesus. I, I don't want to be married to Marissa. Um, sorry, Marissa, if you're watching. Um, and Aaron would not want to be married to Madison either. I, the, the, neither one of those would be, would be good. But, but they're totally different people. Um, and Marissa's going to move back next summer, and I'm sure you'll see her around some, and you're going to go, oh, yeah, they're totally different people. They do their hair different. Like, they have different careers. Um, they have different intellect. They have different ways they go about their lives. And it's interesting to watch two people and think about, in light of God sewing us together, that even identical twins are still different, even though their DNA is the same. Think about snowflakes. There's, they're not the same. All the, the snowflakes are all different. The creativity of God and how he makes and creates says to us that, yes, we will still know ourselves and one another. What makes us us? Think about what makes you you, your memories, right? Your personality, your traits, your gifts, your passions, your preferences, your interests, your emotions. All of those things go in to make us who we are. Revelation 7 and 18 both talk about the angels having emotions. So even the angels have been given emotions. Well, what about desires, right? Will we still have them? Yes. Here's the beautiful thing. And some of you may struggle with some desires that often push us into sin. Some of us have a hard time with some of our desires, right? Um, I mean, I'll just tell you, statistics tell us that 50% of the men in this room are addicted to porn. That's what the statistics say. Some of us have desires that we have a hard time controlling, right? But we'll still have those desires, but they'll no longer be unholy. They'll no longer cross the line of sin. We'll be able to look at something or in someone beautiful and not have a lustful thought. We'll be able to recognize that thing of God and go, wow, look at your creativity. Look at the amazing thing that you created, God. We'll be able to look at food. I love this. Wait for it. We'll be able to look at food without gluttony. We'll be able to eat and be full. And we won't be fat anymore, right? Because we'll know when to stop, <laughs> right? There won't be gluttony anymore. There'll be all those wonderful desires and all those wonderful things that we still have, but they'll be holy. 
They'll be beautiful. Randy Alcorn, um, in one of the books that I read uh, leading up to this, in fact, if you're interested in reading more about heaven, this book is amazing, and, and he makes it really easy to understand, um, and it's like this thick. So if you, if you want a really good book on heaven that you can read, I'd, I'd encourage you to get it and see me after, and I'll, I'll tell you where to get it. But he said this I've, in a story that he had written in another one of his books. He said, and this, this was a story of, of a couple of men, I feel like I'm drinking from the source of the stream. How many have ever been on a canoe trip? Okay. How many of you have ever been on a canoe trip that's spring-fed, in a river that's spring-fed? All right. So you know that at the beginning of that river where the spring comes up, it's what? It's freaking cold, right? I mean, it's like 50 degrees coming up out of the ground. You don't want to put in right there because it's not warm. It's not pleasant unless it's like 110 degrees outside, right? But it's also pure as it comes up out of the ground, right? It's pure water. You could drink it. It's amazing, this water that comes up from out of the ground. But as it flows, what happens? It gets dirty, right? It gets mired in the muck of everything that's coming on. Here's the thing. Our lives will be very much like that, like that stream of fresh, fresh water, but we'll be drinking from the fountain that overflows in Christ. And that's what will be feeding our souls is that, that pure water. He says, I feel like I'm drinking from the source of the stream. You'll have the sweet longing of desire that can be fulfilled and shall be. That longing for something that we're missing will be fulfilled again and again and again. Heaven's not the absence of longing, but it's fulfillment. Heaven's not the absence of itches. I hate itches, right? If you, you know when somebody like scratches your back because you've got an itch, but they can never actually hit the spot because it keeps moving? You ever have that itch? Like, no, over there, no, over there, no, no. I, and you're just like, I give up. I'm not scratching your back anymore because you're just trying to get a back scratch. No, I swear it itches, man. <laughs> like, you, know, you have that itch that you can't scratch, right? It's, heaven's not the absence of those itches. It's the satisfying scratch of every itch. Like that's a beautiful picture, right, of, of how we're satisfied. We will know who people are. Job 19, 26, 27 says, After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another how my heart yearns within me. Luke 24, 39. Look at my hands and my feet. This is Jesus talking. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. You remember Thomas, when Jesus came after he was resurrected and came into the room with the disciples and Thomas was like, yeah, I don't think that's really you. Whatever, bro. And Jesus is like, touch my, touch my wounds. Touch my hands. Touch my side and feel the wounds. They were healed, but they were still there to remind him that that was who Jesus was, right? He was glorified, he was perfect, but he was still able to touch those wounds that were no longer wounds. Jesus called people by name. In Luke 16, 35, Abraham and the rich man, you remember the story that, that Abraham and the rich man, Lazarus has, had died and the rich man died at the same time. And Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom and, and, and uh, the rich man had gone to hell. And, and there was this chasm between them and the rich man said, Abraham, Abraham, please just give me a drop of water from your finger. And Abraham said, I can't. The chasm's too wide. It's too far. I can't satisfy your quench. I can't do that. He knew, and they knew who each other were after they had passed. Matthew 8, 11 said that there was a feast with Abraham, with, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in in Jesus, in his transfiguration, when God blessed Jesus' ministry and the Holy Spirit was there and, and they were all gathered together and Peter, James, and John had gone to, to witness this thing. And they recognized that Moses and Elijah were there also. There is no way that Peter, James, and John knew who Moses and Elijah were. They had what we have. They had words in the Torah. They didn't have a picture that went along with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, is that Moses? I don't know, man. Get out your iPhone. Let me see that picture. No, I mean, they knew who they were. They were not only did they know who they were, they had full knowledge of who Moses and, 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 um, and, and Elijah were in that moment. No one had to tell them. They recognized them. And there's no way they could have recognized them without, without being transformed into seeing as Jesus saw it. John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, his eyes were opened to all that was in heaven. It was, it was a different place of belonging than what we see here. When we get there, we get to ask Peter, hey dude, like, what was it like to walk on water? What was that like? Like, why did you look away? Like, why didn't you just keep your eyes on, right? We can ask David, what was it like to dance naked in the streets? I always wanted to do that. 
and never could because of, you know, we can't. But David did it, right? I mean, he danced through the streets. And we can ask Eve, why did you make childbirth suck so bad? Like, why did you have to do that? Why did you eat that apple? Because it was totally your fault, right? We get to see our loved ones in Christ. We get to, I don't want any emails about that later, by the way. Don't be sending me emails about Eve. I don't want to hear about it. Uh, that, that, those children that we lost, that spouse that we've lost, those loved ones that we've lost along the way that we'll get to see again, that child that we lost, that, that we never met, that we'll get to meet for the first time, right, on the other side of eternity. Yet, there's no regret, there's no pain, there's no rejection. I, I, I pulled some pictures up of some amazing places, just a, just a quick video um, that we'll just kind of let go here as we, as we kind of talk. Um, I think it says beautiful places or something, Kent. I want you to think of the most amazing places on earth. And I've got some pictures of some of them. These are places probably most of us will never get to go. Maybe some of you have been. But places that, that are beautiful. And the screen does no justice to them, right, whatsoever. But someday we'll see fully. Someday we'll see completely. And Brian's going to talk about next week the new heaven and the new earth. And this, this will be even more amazing than what it is now. But we get to heaven. These are the sights. I wonder if there'll be new colors, right, that we'll see new things, new sensations, new beauty, all, all new to us, all amazing for us. Remember, 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can imagine. We can't imagine what God has prepared for us. We have no way to even begin to understand it. The beauty of this world. If you remember the Old Testament, the priests would go into the holiest of holies and they would tie a rope to their ankles and a bell, right? Because if they came into the presence of God and there was sin, or they came into the presence of God and they misstepped, and they would die instantly if they came face to face with God. And the bell would stop ringing and they'd use the rope to drag the priest back out of the holy of holy places, right? Because he's dead and gone. Now, if somebody else gets that job, which for me sounds a little bit intimidating. But if you think about eternity on the other side of this, we get to do what no priest could ever do. We get to stand face to face with the God of creation. We get to stand face to face with Jesus. We get to encounter the Holy Spirit and all of his fullness as they come together as one. And we finally understand how this Trinity thing works because we can't grasp it now, right? We get these new and perfect bodies. I get my eyes back. You get your minds back, right? We, get to, we, get, we don't longer have migraines. We get to love food. All of those things are what heavens is like. It's the absence of everything evil, painful, and bad, and the presence of everything good, holy, and glorious. We have the glory of working for Jesus that we enjoy and love. It's not a curse. It's a blessing as it was intended. In fact, it's a reverse of the curse that was put on when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. It's a reverse of everything that we know now it's the opposite. We get to use our gifts and serve Jesus without sin and rule and reign in them. What won't be there? Death. There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more fear, no more crime, no more stress, no more anxiety. Amen? No more, no more divorce, no more racism, no more violence, no more Mondays, no more that time of the month. Thank you, Jesus. And most of all, no more cats. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Listen, whatever we think, it's going to be better. No eye is seen, no ear is heard. What heaven has for us. Ask Sarah to come just sing a song for us. We did this a few weeks ago. It's called Heaven's Song. It's an amazing just picture, I think, of what heaven will be like. And I just, if you want, if you want to just even close your eyes and just listen as she sings this. And let your imagination wander into what heaven could be like someday.
And my soul is getting restless For the place where I belong I can't wait to join the angels And sing my heaven song And I catch my breath Well done, my child In a ring and rest Tears of joy roll down my cheeks It's beautiful beyond my wildest dreams I want to run on greener pastures I want to dance on higher hills I want to drink from sweeter waters in the misty morning chill. And my soul is getting restless for the place where I belong. I can't wait to join the angels and sing. I want to run on greener pastures. I want to dance on higher hills. I want to drink from sweeter in the misty morning chill and my soul is getting restless for the place where I belong I can't wait to join the angels and sing my heaven song supposed to be. It's how things were intended to be in the beginning, right? That's how it was supposed to be. This world is not our home. Paul told us in Philippians 3.19, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many, lie, uh, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. What I have, what I look like, how I dress, where I go, how I live my life, what my bank account looks like. Your opinion of me are all things that fall into that category. Because our citizenship is in heaven. And we live in light of that. Philippians 3.20 becomes very real. Our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. He'll transform our lowly bodies. I've got one of those. So they'll be like him in his glorious body. This isn't our home. We await a savior from heaven, Jesus. I was thinking about eternity. And um, if you imagine this rope is, is eternity, right? It goes on forever before us and it goes on forever after us. It's eternity. It's forever. If you can wrap your mind around that and it doesn't freak you out, let me know who you are because it scares me to death. I mean, when I think about, I can't, we can't even fathom, like, what does that look like? What do you mean there was like this forever before? Like before the Garden of Eden, like there was forever before that. And there's also forever after that. This is our lives in light of eternity, right? This is how short, and this is, this is, this is the world as we know it from its creation to today. This is it. This is, this is, this is our world. Here's Adam and Eve, right? Here's Moses over in here somewhere. Kind of skip down to, you know, Jesus when he came. And we all of a sudden had AD, right? And everything changed. And then over here somewhere is, I don't know, the Industrial Revolution, right? Over here is where they created the printing press and the Bible became available to everybody. Amazing things that happened in our past, right? Up here somewhere are the... World War One, World War Two, the Korean conflict, all of those things. And over here, right, right in here somewhere, well, that's, that's like your life. That's us. It's short in light of eternity. And when you think of what we know as our time and space, in light of everything that's come before, right, and everything that's going to come after, we just have this short little time. 
The Bible says our lives are a mist. We're fleeting. They're here today and gone tomorrow. As long as our days may feel, as long as our life sometimes can feel, and I've been there, I've walked it. I walked through a four-year sickness with my wife and watched her decay, and it felt like an eternity. But in light of eternity, it was just a mist. And when we look at our lives in view of eternity, it changes our perspective. It changes how we live our lives. It changes what we believe. It changes how we go about our every day. When we think about how short of a life we really do live and how long we'll live forever. There's three little Greek words uh, in Philippians, and it's tis car plan. Say it with me. Tis car plan. Say it. Tis car plan. And it means this. Paul was preaching Christ out of, uh, had called out these people who were preaching Christ out of envy and, and self-ambition. And, uh, and he says, you know, I can't really care about everything. <laughs> and that's what those words mean. Tis car, tis car plan. I, I just, I got to just let it go. Tis car plan. My car needs a transmission. Tiscar plan, can't really do anything about it. Doesn't really matter in light of eternity. I'll just deal with it, right? Tiscar plan, to set just things aside that we don't need to care about. What does it matter in light of eternity? When we think about what really matters in light of eternity, the things that really matter kind of get smaller, don't they? Like what really matters? Well, sharing Jesus with our family. What really matters? Men, leading our families well. Being a man and stepping up. Right? What really matters in light of eternity? Sharing Jesus. Every chance we get so that someone else's eternity is spent with Jesus and not in the very real reality of hell. What does it matter 100 years from now versus eternity? Well, it really doesn't, right? We live in a way that makes a difference here because it matters how we love and it matters how we give and it matters who we love and it matters how I serve and it matters how I give my life. Instead of being obsessed and upset about things, maybe we need to focus more on the important things, right? It doesn't matter in eternity. It doesn't matter in the end. 2 Corinthians 4.18, and because of this, so we fix our eyes, not on what's seen, but on what's unseen. Since what is seen is what? Temporary, right? But what is unseen is what? Eternal. It's temporary versus eternal. And that's where it matters. This world is not our home. We're a mist. What we believe about eternity determines how we live our lives today. Maybe this third maybe misconception of things is that most people are going to heaven. I think if you took a poll and asked people, are you going to heaven? Most people would say, well, of course I'm going to heaven. I believe in God. I'm going to heaven. Probably even more in our society now, people wouldn't even say they believe in God. But they still think they're going to heaven. It doesn't matter really what I believe or how I live. I'm not a drug dealer. I'm not abusive. I'm not, right? I'm, not, I'm a good person. And heaven is our default, right? Wrong. We are born sinful. I don't know about your kids, but I didn't have to teach my kids to sin. They just did it. <laughs> because we're born sinful. And because we're born sinful, our default place of eternity is a very real hell. The choice we make as to where we spend our eternity is whether we put our faith and trust in Jesus and accept him as our Lord and Savior and follow him and obey him and live a life that's worthy of him. doesn't mean we're not going to screw up, but it means we're forgiven. It means we have grace because heaven is not our default. Jesus said, broad is the road and wide is the path that leads to destruction. It's broad and it's wide, right? Look around. And many people are on it, but... Narrow is the road, and small is the gate that leads to life. And how many people are going to find it? Few. Few people are going to find it. The truth is that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Everyone is going to heaven. It doesn't matter what I believe. This is a total lie. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. I'm going to read 
a couple of scriptures here. In light of my last breath, what happens when we breathe our last? This is what scripture tells us. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Duh. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Ecclesiastes 12.7. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to the God who gave us. Scripture tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. The moment that we take our last breath, we are present in eternity. In that very moment, we will, we will stand before Jesus our Savior, or we will stand in a very real place called hell. And it makes every difference what we believe. Abraham, Lazarus, the rich man, were all conscious in heaven and hell immediately after death. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today when you pass, you will be with me in paradise. There's no soul sleep. There's no, there's no going in the grave. We're just going to wait for Jesus to come back. We will be present with the Lord. We don't know what all that looks like. We don't know what that eternal body looks like, but we know that we'll be known immediately that we'll be known. But we also know that Jesus will return and our bodies will be resurrected from the grave. Oh, to be in a cemetery that day as those graves open up and the saints who believed in Jesus are raised from the grave. As the, as the bodies come up out of the oceans, as the ashes who, of those who have gone before have been spread all over, come together to form a body, to be resurrected, and our bodies made perfect. Our bodies that are here is what Scripture tells us. Revelation 6, 9 through 11 says, The martyrs are crying out for the justice on the earth. So we don't go to sleep. This is not our home. This is just a temporary place where we get to find Jesus and serve him and live in light of eternity. Stand with me, would you? I want to speak these over you, this verse. And I want you to listen to the breadth and the depth of the truth that's being spoken in this verse. You, you probably know it. It's Romans 3.23, but most of us don't read 24 and 25. It says this, for everyone, say everyone, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. When he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. We don't have to fear eternity. We just have to know that this isn't our home. It's not about being good enough. It's not about being right enough. We don't have to worry about it because Jesus did it all. All we have to do is call on the name of Jesus and he says, you will be saved. And we find freedom in Christ. We find freedom in living by his precepts and his principles that emulate what eternity will be like without trying. This is not our home. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, 57, 58 says this, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. God, what an amazing thing that we get to experience. Lord, this is not our home. This is not where we end up. This isn't where we stay. God, our lives are a mist. They're just a small piece of what we get to experience in all of eternity. Lord, I pray this morning, God, if there's anybody that's here this morning and doesn't know you, if there's anybody who's just standing and saying, you know, I'm, man, I need, to, I need to figure this out and I need to nail this down because I want an eternity with Jesus. I want to spend forever with him. If that's you this morning, I want to pray a prayer with you. There's not power in this prayer. There's really not. We don't do this very often. But I want to give us the opportunity before we walk out this door this morning. If you need to finally say, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you. I'm giving you my life. I want your forgiveness. I want to spend an eternity with you. 
I want life here and I want it more abundantly. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want those gifts of the spirit and those fruits of the spirit that we talked about. I, I long for love and joy. I long for peace and patience and kindness and self-control. I, I long for those things and I know that I can't get them on my own because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I can't try any of it anymore and I don't want to try any of it anymore. Because I believe, Jesus, you were who you said you were. And I believe you died for me to forgive me, to give me that grace to wash over me and make me right in your sight so that I can spend an eternity with you. And I want to drag everyone that I can with me. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. You won't be praying it by yourself because we're all going to pray it out loud together. And so if you've already prayed this prayer, if you've already received Jesus, you're just reaffirming. But if this is your first time, just say this out loud with me. Let's all say it together. Lord Jesus... I invite you into my life. Forgive my sins and make me right with you. Jesus, I give you my everything. All of my hopes, all of my fears, and all of my eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. In Jesus' name, everybody say it with me. Amen. Listen, if that's you this morning, would you come find me or Maria or Sarah or anybody on the worship team up here? And we'd love to just share with you how amazing that next step is for your life and the door that you just opened to spend eternity with Jesus. We're going to sing this song, and this is a celebration song. I I love this song. It's an old song. A bunch of you are going to know this. Um, But I want you to sing us with us as we close out this morning, um, because this is not our home. Amen? We're just passing through. And our job, guess what your job is? It's to depopulate hell. That's our job. Your job isn't to go to work at the bank. My job's not to be a pastor. Your job's not to work for an insurance company or for, who do you, Scott's, Scott's. Scott's, your job isn't to kill weeds. (laughs) Right? Your job isn't to kill weeds. Your job's not to work at a factory. Your job's not to work for the FBI. Your job's not to retire from some amazing computer job. Your job's not to work security for breaks. Listen, your job as a believer in Jesus is to do one thing and one thing only. Depopulate hell. It's the one thing that we don't get to do in eternity. We get to have desires and spend all of eternity with Jesus, but we can't get people saved once we get there. So our job is to know that this is not our home and to depopulate hell. Let's, man, sing this with us. I hope that you, uh, I hope you're going to know it. So let's just make this our anthem as we head out this morning. All right, here we go.